Okay, let's do this. Um, let's turn to uh, Acts 19. And while we're getting there, though, um, let's talk about something um, in your week that kind of has shown that God is at work in your life or around you. Maybe where you've just kind of seen the Holy Spirit or the kingdom of heaven kind of break through and it's grabbed your attention this week. We have time for a few. So I, I have one really quickly. Um, last night, our sons like went to bed, like when they were supposed to, kind of, like really close to that anyway, really close. And I'd gotten home, was tired from work, and Lily had had a long day with the two kids being themselves, so we had, were tired. And we just like got to sit on the couch and watch a ridiculously funny and cute movie. And it was really nice. And we just kind of half fell asleep watching a movie and felt super normal. And it was great. And it was, it was this thing of, for me at least, it was like, oh, like this relaxed normalcy that we, um, after, after having kids, we've kind of like talked about like it's this elusive thing that we've wanted is around us. And it's around us as part of our life. If we just notice it and enjoy it, it can be really beautiful. And we just, we just noticed that last night, and it was, it was good. It was good. And Incredibles 2 wasn't that bad. You know what I'm saying? It really wasn't that bad. It wasn't. I kind of gave sass when it was put on, but I liked it. It was very nice. It was a very nice movie. Uh, we had a, a heavy It's a season. It's a season. 37 year season. It's okay. And I was really shutting her out. And um, I got a call. Not my dad, but I got a call a few days ago. She might have a bit of a temper. And it was as if, like, God was just staring through a long rest day. It was like a breath of fresh kit. Like, everything that you're fighting about, everything that you guys are having fun with, it seems to be. And it was just such a reminder. Glad to hear that. We're part of that. Glad to hear part of that. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this week has been really great. I think it's been um, kind of fog-lifted over the last month a little bit. Um, I got to spend Friday night with my son Ben um, his wife Cass.
Well, this quote that uh, the kingdom of heaven is sometimes like a flower pushing through concrete. You know, this idea that it's just the hard things in life that things come out of it somehow. And saying it even feels tried and sorry sometimes, but That is good, man. So let's do this. Let's open up to 19, Acts 19, or, or click to it, or whatever you're doing. Um, I didn't even mean that snarky. It's so let's get to 19. We're going to get through the end of this chapter. Um, so uh, we were in Ephesus this last week. Uh, we were in Ephesus last week. That's funny. We were in Ephesus, uh, Paul was, and his crew. Um, and here we're, we're coming down to, there's been wonderful things happening in Ephesus. Paul's gotten this opportunity to teach at this school, at this hall, of this um, kind of like a university, sort of. So this hall for, for years, it's been two years. So um, at this point, we don't have a lot of stories in this two years, other than things have been very successful. And it's kind of changed the community and the way they talk about deities, the way they talk about theology, the way they've, they've even been debating those things has changed with um, this group of people being here, and the way, is what they're calling it at this point, the way kind of changing people's lives and kind of transforming the way that people act and think and the way they um, spend money and the way they family and all these things. And it's starting to really change the culture of this town. And so, in doing that, um, people in Asia have heard of this and come to see what is this, what is this upheaval of kind of... Roman and Greek um, way of doing things, and what, how is the way kind of seeping into culture? And so we have a story today that kind of is this, um, I think it's perfect for us, and I've been excited about it for a few weeks, it's, it's perfect for us, the story of kind of this culmination of finally um, the way of Christianity, the kingdom of heaven, kind of finally um, coming at odds in a very serious way with the way of us, pretty much. And so, here's what we have. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I've been there, I must also see Rome. And having having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. And about that time, okay, let's actually pause. Do we know, and you don't have to know, does anyone know why he's making this trip back and going to Jerusalem? Does anyone know at the time? He did do that, yes. He did do that, and then what would he be going back for? 
Because yes, he just did this less than two years ago. So right now, here's, here's kind of the deal. Obviously, he wants to go through and see like the churches that have been planted and started. He wants to like, encourage people. But a main thing right now that's happening, we find out in, in Romans, we, we read Romans right after and spend four more years on that, then we would find that right now, uh, the, the Jerusalem church is suffering financially really, really badly. Um, in Jerusalem right now, uh, Jews are getting squeezed, and the, the financial kind of institutions around their lives and their culture is getting squeezed, and they're, they're like starving a lot of Jewish folks in that area, and a lot of anyone in Jerusalem, but it would be a lot of Jewish folks living in Jerusalem. And so the, the church there is incredibly, incredibly poor and incredibly needy, and so Paul is going through and trying to basically collect an offering from different churches, and he takes it to Jerusalem. So that's kind of, he's, it seems, even here, it's just in passing that Luke mentions this, or the writer of Acts, more than likely Luke mentions, but it's, it's an idea that, like, I need to go do that I need to go right now to do that. I need to make plans. It's getting so dire there, and it's difficult. And the other churches have been offering. I need to go and get that bag and take it. It's kind of the idea. And we talk about it. it, it he talks about it in other passages, but it's, it's not mentioned very much here. I just wanted us to know that's still on Paul's mind. It's important for us to remember that he's still very incredibly Jewish. And that is a big deal to Paul. It's a big deal to his crew of people to allow him to be and to keep him being that way, even though there's, there's Greek and other philosophers here with him now gathering in the different churches, they still want to support his Jewishness, and that's important. Um, about that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. What a wonderful way to say that sentence. About this time, there was no little disturbance that arose, meaning something crazy happened. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, or Diana, uh, two different names they'll call it in this passage possibly, bought no little business, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with all the workmen in similar trades and said, men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded, um, has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying the gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger, not only that this trade of ours may become in disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be disposed of her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they had heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, um, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go into the crowd, the disciples would not even let him go. And then some of the Asiarchs, Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him, urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, and others cried out another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not even know why they had come together. And some of the crowd prompted Alexander, who the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all cried with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know the city of the Ephesians? Is, is the temple keeper of the great Artemis, 
and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky. Seeing that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are opened. And there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be saddled, settled, saddled. It shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that can be given to justify this commotion. When he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Now, this is quite strange. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it would be it would be similar it's translated as as like actual Asia and then Europe. So Macedonia would be more like Europe and some sometimes it would be northern Africa ish too. Do what now? Yes. Yes. And then Asia would be west of that, am I thinking? Yes, west of that. So east of that, yes, obviously. That's yeah, I'm ridiculous. <laughs> Really sorry, everyone. Well, how far, how far would, uh, would Paul and have gotten into Asia? Well, they're not to Rome yet. Um, oh, into Asia? Yeah. Turkey area and not too much farther at this point. And, like, and then when they go into Greece, we should, we should map this next time and have it so we can see it with our eyes. And then as he's seeking to go to Rome, he would do that. And that's kind of what he's saying there. He's saying, after I go through my rounds and go back to Jerusalem, which is obviously not either one of those necessarily-ish, um, seeking to go to Rome so he could go to the capital. Um, so this story, though, in its ridiculousness, um, happens because these, these silversmiths get upset. Now, here's, here's some important things to note. Who is their God, and what is their God? Who, who do they worship? Yes, yes, they do. That's not wrong. What else seems, though, through the story to be their God? Their business, their money, number one, and then there's another one. What's the other one? Yes, and even more than the temple, though, what is it? Yes, also true. All this is right. Let's, let's read some of it again, because this is an important distinction we have to make. Um, this is not, I don't think this is Paul, and, and again, the, the community leader says it so straight out in the end. Paul's not being blasphemous to our goddess. Paul doesn't care too much, it seems, about the goddess, because that's not why they're upset. Why they're upset is because they don't have their wealth that came from the goddess, and then they don't have something else possibly. They're afraid they're going to lose something else. And what is it? It says this. Let me find it and read it again. Hmm. And you see in here, not only in Ephesus, but almost all parts of Asia, Paul is persuading people to turn away. There is danger not only on this trade of ours may come in disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be disposed from her magnificence she whom all Asia and the world worship. Now, he is not concerned about the goddess. It seems they are concerned about the standing of the town. 
it seems, in the story, the two gods they worship, really, realistically, and why they are angry, is their economy, is their wealth that they're making, and even, it seems to be good enough, he says, we are all wealthy because of something, which is, that word wealthy means wealthy. It doesn't mean we have money. It doesn't mean we have, we are middle class. It means we have wealth because of this temple, because we are artisans of this temple. And then this idea that the entire world worships something that is theirs. That they have a standing in the world. They have, and again, we talked about this. They had one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. This temple is, is no joke magnificent. It was ridiculous. There was something like 160 pillars um, in the temple. There were statues everywhere. The actual, and this is crazy, he kind of says it later, the, the idea and where the temple was formed is because a meteor legitimately fell out of the sky that either looked like a woman, sort of, or someone made to look like a woman right away, and it, they worshipped it. Like, really, their goddess fell from the sky, really, kind of. Like, this rock, or either they thought it was a meteor or it was, kind of looks like a woman, sort of, and then they carved it and decorated it to look even more like a woman, and they worship here. That's, they're, they're saying that, and that's very, very true. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. And so this idea that they have something that gives them standing is something that the way has interrupted. And here's the, the thing that's like not, again, haunted is a poor word, but has been just a backpack on me for weeks and weeks knowing this is coming because I love this story is this idea that we, everyone in Ephesus, was all right with the way. People were coming, they're letting Paul teach at this school. They're, they're, the, the Jews are kind of leaving him alone in Ephesus, which is crazy because they've run him out of every other city that he's been a part of. The, the people there are wanting him to continue to teach so that people can learn. All over Asia, people are coming. It's disrupting the normal flow of things. But right now, it's been okay. It's been fine. And, I, and I'm struck by, in our lives, our lives and in our families and in our cultures and in our jobs, the way is not seen by our culture as that bad. It's just not. In Austin, the way is fine. They let people build very large churches in our town. <laughs> we, we have not um, done that. We've chosen not to do that, right? <laughs> but, but that is allowable in this town and celebrated, right? You can be, like, famous in our culture. We have successfully created, we, I say, hopefully I say that loosely, hopefully for the love, we will be found to have said that loosely. We've created a subculture you can be pseudo-famous in and be wealthy in and have success. And I'm not saying wealthy in a terrible way that's like, oh, that's sin money or anything. That's not what I mean. I just mean that you can have success in that. People will ask successful pastors to come teach at universities and do these things. This, this happens now. This is very similar. And people aren't mad at the way for just being, right? For having a good moral code for your kids, right? People like that a lot of times. There's people all over town that are like, once they have kids, they're like, we should go to a church. Because I know they practice good morals. We should have our kids practice good morals. And I'm not saying that's bad. I, I think that's wonderful, right? The Judeo-Christian ethic is, is strong, I feel. I mean, we're trying to abide by it as well. You know, living that way, all of that is good. But when the way 
when the kingdom of heaven gets in the way of those two things, this city, this city, when it gets in the way of their economy, especially their economy and the way it's scaled in this city, and when it gets in the way of their standing in the world, we have big problems. And I'm, I'm telling you, in my personal family, there are problems deep within my sinful self when the way gets involved with our finances and with who I want to be in the world. It's true. When, when the Evers family actually has to be humble, that is very difficult for us. That is really hard for me, and I dislike it. I dislike it. I want the way, and I find out that, no, I want the way to make me successful. I want the way to help me get promotions. I want the way I treat people at work to make me recognized as someone who treats people well at work. I want all of those things because, really, deep down, I still worship those two things. I still worship some sort of economy, and it might not even be money. It might be whatever else economically success or the safety of that or the security of that. I do still worship that, unfortunately. And I worship my standing in front of the people that I know and the world itself. I do. And I think we do. We do. And we think it's so ridiculous. And we say, oh, silversmiths, how dare you think your finances are more important than people's lives being changed? And I say, oh, well, (laughs) well, yeah. I know what we say we can spend on certain things. And then what I spend it wherever I want. And I, we, we have that. And I don't know for us how to even talk around that sometimes. Because we give each other an out so often. We talk about it. We talk about, oh, no, that's okay. I know where your heart is. And it's like, yeah, I know. I can see exactly where my heart is. All of you, too often, because we're close enough as a church, you can see exactly where my heart is. It's where I spend my money and how I want my name to be heard. That's where. Those two places are exactly where my heart is, legitimately. And, and with Ephesus, it was, I don't want our, economic, our economics in flux. They want that continued flow. They want that safety. They want that security that came from the wealth of being a silversmith, just like all of us do. We want that. And then it came from their place in the world, their civic pride, and their, the knowledge of the world that they had something great. And, I mean, how do we all want that? <laughs> we fight for it every day. We do. We talk about it at Dudes and Brews and celebrate us fighting for that every day. I mean, I don't know how for us to get around it. And then I'm even more haunted by, (laughs) first of all, half the town doesn't know what's going on, right? It's a for real riot at this point. There's like, oh yeah, we're shouting loud noises. Let's all shout together, right? And so they're just shouting and yelling and no one knows what's going on. And someone comes to try, Alexander's like, no, 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 listen, that's not what it is. And they shout him down. And then for two hours, they chant as one. Do you remember what they chant here? Great is Artemis of the Ephesians, which tells us everything. It's not great as Artemis, great as Artemis, is it? It's great as Artemis, who is ours, right? Great is our thing. Great 
is us, is what that means. And I just, going to sleep, even last night, after a wonderful night, I can't help but just wonder, and this sounds so dramatic or like cheesy, and I don't mean it this way, but it's like, it's, I mean, it's like, great are our children of me. You know, like, great is my sports team. Great is it of me that I'm a part of, that I worship legitimately. Great is my promotion that is mine, that I have worked for and labored for, and someone saw that, yes, I deserved it. I find value in that and worth in that. Great is it to me. Or like, Great is my ability to upgrade my home soon enough when we need to or can afford land or whatever else. You know what I mean? We all have that of us, of us. Great is this five-year plan I have of me that will help us finally get to wherever nirvana I want to be in that I think is out there for me somehow. And I just don't know if the way has taken hold of me enough to convict me of that sometimes. And it's worrying. And it's worrying for us. I think it should concern us. And I think it should, um, it, it, it should concern us if the way doesn't change our economics and our consumerism. And if it doesn't change where we spend or, or how much safety we have. I'm not saying all of you are failing in that either. Not at all. I'm not to you. I'm, I'm, this is very much like I need counseling time or something from you looking at me, I think. But I'm, I'm, I'm more than curious for us. I'm more than curious for us. And I'm more than curious for us as families and individuals and people if our standing just isn't too important to us. If being meek and humble and really going to a dinner party and sitting at the end of the table is just something that's nice to tell people or it's nice to say we abide by until it's time to abide by it. And then no, I want people to see that I'm humble. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Why else would I be humble? Right? I mean, I laugh. That is really, unfortunately... I think how I think. I'm concerned by this. And I mean, I wonder if for hours a day we don't chant something opposite of great is the way of the kingdom of heaven. Great is the Jesus we say we love. Great is the way that is at hand. If anything, we say great is the kingdom of heaven in our hands or of us or and so here's, here's um, what I, I think we may do. I don't, I'm not sure what we do as an us. I don't know. But I think, I think for sure we take a lot of our life, honestly, more than like five minutes we're going to pray and worship after, right? And we say, okay, 
what, if, if, if God is going to ask me to do something, what would be the most upsetting for God to ask me to do? Kind of, right? And I don't mean crazy big things, although it may be. That's fine. That's fine. But I mean just in normal life, God asking us to do something, what would be we rebel against and say, oh, that must not be from God, right? Then have problems on, oh, we thought we heard from the Holy Spirit, but we really don't, because really God would never ask us to, you know, all that kind of conversation. What would that be? What does that look like? And then what does that tell us of what we worship, right? And then, and then also in the same way, <clears throat> how does our life, the us, uh, more than like our family, but the us, how does it um, and how should it disrupt the economy of East Austin? And I don't mean just like the businesses making actual dollars, although that, some of that is, is fine too. That's fine. But I mean, how much of that is, is breaking up the economy of pushing um, older folks out of town, maybe. The economy of Austin, like the, the ability for Austin's east side to grow and become what it always dreamed of is pushing some people out so that other people can be the face of it, right? Or maybe it's, I don't know, just thinking of the examples in my own brain. But what are those things? How would the us disrupt the economic vitality or the economic concerns of a town, Right? And then, how does the us involved in the kingdom of heaven, how does it change the power structure within us, number one, but then also within the system we're a part of, right? So how does that change how we look at people that are lesser than? How does it change what we ascribe to in our jobs, in our professions? How does it change what is important within our work? How does it change how we see our family rhythm and what it attempts to be? Like, what, what does the way do to disrupt what we think is good? Because I think we should be finding out with Acts every week, I think we should be finding out that what we think is good oftentimes is not. We think we, have, we are on the same page as this kingdom of heaven that's at hand, and oftentimes we find we are not on the same page. And a lot of times what happens and what's happening in Acts is those people rebel and then begin to fight against Paul and the people, right? And so how do we not do that? And so what I want us to do is as we're going to take communion and as we're going to worship some and then as we're going to, you know, live our lives on this wonderfully beautiful Sunday and every other day is thinking through how the kingdom of heaven affects, affects your economy and how it affects your standing in the world. And if that's something you enjoy and are welcoming, or if that's something for the last season you have been rebelling against. And I want us to do that together. And I want us, as an us, to see where we are on that. And we probably don't know enough to make any moves on it, but we need to see who we really are. And we need to know that. So, let's pray on that, um, and we'll stand together. So, God, we just ask you, let us look at ourselves clearly. Show us who we are clearly. We don't want to be those people that James discusses that looks in a mirror once for a brief second, turns away, and forgets who we really are, honestly, and thinking we are, we are more magnificent than we really are. Thinking our problems are non-existent. Thinking we have it so much together. In Jesus' name.